Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. This season we're backed by the good lads over at Labrooks, so keep your ears open and we've got a massive deal coming for you later on in the podcast. the Fulhamish podcast my name is Sammy James we are your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast joining me tonight is Ben Jarman good evening Don Betts hello hello and Jack Collins hello listeners there it is so uh, interesting podcast tonight uh, we've had pre-season out of the way all the pre-season podcasts this is where the real podding begins are you ready always yeah fully limbered up ready to go rested 100% match fit yep well, this week saw the first ever £200 million transfer. Uh, so I thought I'd start off by putting that into perspective for who we see week in, week out. So £200 million would get you 10 Tom Kearneys, if current transfer value is to be believed. It would have bought you 16 Kostas Metroglus back in 2014. Still not sure it would have saved us from relegation. And right now, it would buy you roughly 40 Abu Kamaras. I think we've got a bargain, don't that we? Would be a Great scare- value. That would be a scary prospect. Imagine <laughs> 40 Abu, Abu Kamara's running at you. God. 40 AK-47s. Yeah, exactly. Well, we will Sounds be... like a war zone. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will be analysing his performance as AK-47 shot into action uh, at Saturday's opener versus Norwich at the Cottage. Uh, we'll be previewing the two upcoming games against Wickham and Reading also in this podcast. Looking back over the championship opening day, short on goals, but plenty of upsets, actually. Some very surprising results from the opening day and answering your questions as always jack's got the post bag and it's brimming yeah it is actually we've had lots of last minute questions which is is what i like the kind of last minute i prefer to be honest we like it last minute yeah most of the time it's not because we put the tweet tweet out at six o'clock yeah uh before we look into the norwich game jack have you got some three word reviews it's back for 2017 18 you can get involved after every game we just ask you to sum up each Fulham game as it comes, but only in three words. Uh, loads of you love getting involved with this, so we like to shout out some of the best ones that we get. We love this. Um, Alex Whiteford with Button Stepped Up, which we really liked. MJG saying subs cost us, which is pretty pretty much you know, yeah, fair. We'll come on to that, definitely. Lydia Campbell needs second goal, which again we'll come on to. Um, a, few, a lot of them, you know, Angus, not clinical enough. There were a lot, a lot like that. Uh, the, one of my favourite ones, though, actually came from a Norwich fan, uh, Hula Holic, who, who, who replaced. He replied basically just with both getting promoted. Very nice. Very nice. Well done. Well done, Mister. I, I would Hula-holic. not be. I would not be upset with that at the end of the season. No, not at all. Slightest. To be honest, I don't really mind who gets promoted with us. I'd maybe it'd be tainted. Would it taint me slightly for you if uh, QPR and Brentford were promoted with us? Well, no, because you'd be going up, so I wouldn't, yeah, really I wouldn't be bothered. I wouldn't be that upset. I and mean, then they get absolutely destroyed in the Premier League. And we could have loads, of, and then we could go back to Griffin Park and Loftus Road, which is Dom's t- t- two of Dom's favourite games, along with Wickham and Reading. Three, uh, three West London derbies in pre- in the Premier League. Limbs, amazing. So uh, let's get on though first to Saturday's game against Norwich. And in my opinion, I still think Ben lots of cause for optimism despite the late setback. Yes, I do agree. I think there were some really good points to our game, especially the build-up play through the midfield. I thought we looked clean and tidy for the first sort of 50, 60 minutes. Uh, we used wide area as well. And I thought Fredericks was a was a good threat for, for especially the first half and um, was quite quiet in the second. Um, but I thought, um, you know, we came out of the blocks firing pretty quickly and, uh, and we settled into a routine that we saw towards the end of last season very, very uh, quickly as well. And um, it looked like we were going to you know, take the game by a scruff of the neck and maybe put one or two away before half-time, but alas, it wasn't to be. And 
obviously the final result was very different. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. It did feel in that 41st, 45 minutes that the summer hadn't been here at all. It was just we were carrying on from the performances in the playoffs. It looked very much the same style of play as we saw in April, May last season. It was It was encouraging to see. Yeah, it was encouraging to see. I mean, it's pretty much the exact same team. You wouldn't really expect anything less. Everyone was sort of getting worried in pre-season because of the results that happened. But as we said, the results you get in pre-season really don't matter. It's more about getting players up to match fitness. I didn't think everyone looked up to match fitness. I thought Kenny looked a bit sluggish at times. But one player I was really impressive, actually, was Oliver Norwood in the centre yeah. of the park. I mean, he doesn't quite play the same style as Ken McDonald, but he was pretty much playing that role up to perfection, really. And... For a loan signing, he, I don't really think you can expect much better from him. Uh, he, I thought he was quality. I think now we've got great cover in centre midfield with with Cissé, sorry, and Oliver Norwood. So, yeah, cause him optimism, but on the balance of play, I probably thought a draw was a fair result. You know, it was interesting that Slav actually took Norwood off. Um, I thought we sort of fell apart a little bit when, when Norwood went off, and I don't know if everyone else feels the same, but it was one of those things that, we seem to lose control of that midfield battle without Norwood's, you know, and I didn't think Cissé did particularly badly, to be honest, but I just thought without Norwood's control, and I'd noticed in the first half he was so loud and so vocal and, and, and really sort of shouting at everyone and getting everyone into position, and I really start, thought it took a turn for the worse when, when he came off the pitch. So, you know, as a starter, yeah, he went, a couple of players went past him a little easy. That was the only, the only gripe I could have possibly had with him in the first half, but his command of the ball, he looks so, so comfortable in that midfield trio. He's obviously an excellent passer of the ball, yep. um, and, and I don't think there's much you could complain about aside from, you know, maybe came up would have put in a, a couple of bigger tackles when people were sort of ghosting past him. But yeah, as, as an able replacement goes, I think we've, we've done really well there, and good decision. Probably not the decision I would have made pre-game. The only thing I would have said about um, Cissé is that when he came on, we were sitting very, very deep. And it felt like he didn't have enough space to operate in. And the places where he was trying to operate were were too confined for him to actually have any sort of hold on the game. And I think a lot of it passed him by just because he was trying to chase after what Kenny and Steph Joe had probably left. And to a lesser extent, what Cabano left as well, because he looked absolutely dead on his feet after about 65 minutes. Mm. Yeah. Very, very um, surprised that we actually kept Cabana on for the whole game um, as well as TC as well I think it was a point of conversation on Twitter as well but um, we may cover it later as well it's just that the subs by uh, Slav I don't think were that great and I don't think they came at the appropriate time either Yeah I'll definitely bring up the subs in a little bit going back to the first half I felt like Fulham weathered some early pressure actually Norwich missed a, a couple of good opportunities I can't remember who it was that scooped it over the bar at the Hammersmith end but really should have worked David Button and Button actually had a little bit to do was voted the official man of the match on the website I noticed earlier Um, Fulham took a slightly fortuitous lead off the heel of captain uh, uh, Russell Martin Uh, it was good work by Oyite to set it up though and actually I thought at the end of the first half Fulham kind of deserved the 1-0 lead I don't think it was an overwhelming deserving of the 1-0 lead but I I thought that I thought that our first half of play reflected the scoreline yeah I completely agree I think that once we you know we did set we did suffer some pressure and we did we did weather a storm a little bit at one point Marley Watkins um who we talked up a lot last week actually having a bit of a terrible day at the office um, when it came to close quarters seems that he can only shoot from outside the box but yeah he we could have been a couple down if we if we hadn't been for one a couple of really good David Button saves and two a couple of really poor poor attempts at goal and I think that, but once we got into our stride, we did look good. And there were, you know, moments that like one where 
Uh, Aluka gets the ball in the box and just tries to turn away and is a little bit, little bit slow to react. And the goal's unbelievable work from Aite. That step over just to beat his man and get it cut it back across is absolutely phenomenal. And yeah, there were there were moments where we looked electric, and I think that that's a good sign. Um, they were struggling to cope with that three-five-two formation that they were playing. It was giving our wing backs a lot of room down the sides and they were getting a lot of the ball which is always encouraging if Fredericks and well last season Malone but this season Sessignon are on a ball a lot in their half we know that we're onto something good yeah I mean I looked at a stat today and we still had I think the third highest pass completion rate I think it was 82% same as Leeds Norwich actually had high I think they had they were first with about 86% so you could tell both teams it's a bit different to Norwich last season where they seem to be maybe more of a counter-attacking side, whereas this season they want to have the ball. They're going to be playing a very similar style of football, I think, to what we played last season. So I don't necessarily think a draw is a bad result at all against a team who are going to be wanting going for automatics as well. It was a, actually a, a very entertaining football match from, from the neutral perspective. It was two very high-quality teams. If that had been a game in the Premier League, I don't think you'd have felt too short-changed. No, I don't think you would either. I think um, Norwich's midfield three of um, Brandjic, Reed, and uh, one more who I can't, whose name escapes me right now, were playing some very, very tidy football. And Morrison was it? I think yeah, it could well be Morrison. You're right. Um, and they were just playing some incredibly tidy football, and they were going through the paces and the phases uh, of the football pitch really, really nicely. And they were spreading it wide to Wilshut, who um, gave Sessegnon quite a lot of problems, um, especially in that first half. I think he nutmegged him once. And Sessegnon sort of got on with it and he'd done it again and Sessegnon's head kind of dropped a little bit and I think uh, from there on it was it was keen, it, it was clear that he was a little bit distracted by what happened to him. Yeah, we, we saw the Sessegnon that we actually did see maybe kind of halfway through last season where I spe- I, the one that always stands out to me with Sessegnon is Rotherham at home, yeah, Izzy, randomly. Like Izzy Brown gave him the run around yeah. for 15 minutes. Yeah, and, and he looked like a rabbit in headlights and suddenly he looks... 17 again. I'm not going to jump too much on the Sessignon barrage because it's been quite vociferous on social media this week, but it wasn't really a good enough performance from young Ryan. Realistically, like, you can't jump on that barrage because he is 17 and he is learning. And, you know, realistically, we have a top prospect on our hands. We cannot get on top of him at this point. Like, that's mad in, in one game to start. And Wildshot's a great player. Yeah, and we he, said... Bef- he is their best player, I'd we, argue. I completely agree. We um, we said, actually, at the start, when we started this podcast, if were, we were looking at teams and we were saying, that's a brilliant signing from Norwich. Um, like, he came across from Wigan, I believe. Yeah. Um, and we said at the time that that was a really, really good piece of business and he really he really looks good in that wing-back role. Uh, on the other side, Ryan Fredericks had James Husband all over the gaff, like, as in he was he was burning him every single time, and and they didn't look like a cope. And it was a very much a case of the right wing backs burning the left backs all game, yeah. Um, which is you know an interesting concept, if, if if you will. But it's you know one of those things. Sess is going to have bad games, and he's going to you know have good games, and and he's learning, especially in that defensive capabilities, which he hasn't been doing all summer. Bear in mind, he's been playing at left wing for England in a very, very attacking left wing role as well, as a front three almost. And, you know, he's going to have to get used to that kind of defensive responsibilities again, but it will come and, and his maturity will grow week on week. It's his explosive pace and his link-up play that we're looking for on that wing. And Norwich are one of a few sides that can come down to the cottage and play that kind of football and match us pass for pass and match us, you know, one one at a time when we go, you know, back and forth, and and in that respect, we have to we have to go. Okay, Cesc might have struggled a little bit against probably one of the best right wingers in the league at this point, 
but you know next time he'll do better and next time when we're more on top of teams his attacking like pace and is an unbelievable outlet for us and I think that it's, it's easy to forget that in the kind of heat of the moment where I think the game potentially wasn't won for Fulham was really the period at the beginning of the second half we had several big chances Cabano smacked the post lovely play uh, cut inside and hit the post. Fulham also had uh, a few other opportunities. Uh, the main one I'm probably thinking of were, was Kamara. A few fell to him and also uh, a very marginal offside against Ryan Fredericks, which stopped a correct decision. I'm not arguing against that, but which stopped Aluko scoring. Uh, we spoke to someone on the way back, a guy called Louis, who uh, said, I'm w- wondering which Slav bingo phrase will, will come out in the post-match press conference. And he said, uh, he said I reckon it's going to be a lack of clinical edge. And it's exactly what came out in the post-match press conference. But it was true again that Fulham maybe just take a few more opportunities in early that second half and the worries of conceding that late equaliser just wouldn't have even been a factor. Yeah, that's what I said straight after the game. I thought we played really well. We just weren't uh, clinical or potent enough. That's the, that's the only way I could put it. Because obviously, um, Kamara sold two. Is it, was it the same man twice? Yeah, it was and it, unbelievable. And then yeah. smashed it into the side netting. Like it, I know we'll go on more Kamara later, but I just thought he looked like he wanted to do too much when he came on. He was just trying to do everything where he just wasn't doing the simple stuff at the same time. Like... He's clearly got the potential to be a really, really good striker. He's got the pace, he's got the strength. So I think he will be a good signing. But yeah, I think it was just being, again, like last season, just being more potent or more clinical. He's got to learn where those um, where those runs are coming from as well. It, you know, the one was a beautiful ball from Steph to pick him out oh, with the lovely. outside of the foot. I'm sure we'll talk about later. But it was, you know, it was. there were parts where he looked excellent and there were parts where he'd like make a run and it wouldn't work. And instead of, you know, dropping back and making another run, he'd sort of lumber around behind the ball for a bit. And I suppose that's just tactics and getting used to the squad and getting used to the way we play. Let's, let's move on to the substitutions now. I think they were one of the most key parts of the game. Ben, at, was it 65 minutes that... Uh, Cisse and Kamara roughly came on yeah around about then yeah would you have made that change at that point in the game it's great knowing it with hindsight would have you made those changes at that point if you were Slav uh, would have I replaced someone in the midfield three yeah I would definitely I'm not sure it would have been Norwood because I felt I felt like he was comfortable in that role and I felt like he was offering us something a good link up play between the defence and midfield as soon as Cisse came on that sort of link up disappeared we sat too far, well, we sat too deeply, that's for sure. We tried to soak up pressure, and I think we know from last season that we're not really good when we do that. We try and sit on a 1 0 lead and just, you know, we just try and preserve. It's not really our side of play. We're always better when we're on the front foot when we're in possession of the ball. And it wasn't until probably around about the 85th minute, which is when we had a, a probably about a period of 45 to sort of 45 seconds to around about a minute where we controlled the ball nicely, we got Norwich on the back foot and we really tested them. And then after that, we just couldn't hold the ball again. That's where the, the, the goal came from. I feel like while Sessegnon didn't have the best game, potentially to take him off as early as he did sort of wasted a substitution. And the fact that TC and Steph Joe and Cabano um, and a couple more looked absolutely dead on their feet by 70 minutes, I feel like Jukanovic maybe jumped the gun a little bit too much. I wouldn't have made a double sub. I would have gone just one and one. Actually, I disagree with you to a point. It's obviously hard to bring off your captain. But I think that if anyone had to go off at, at 70 minutes, it should have been TC. Yeah, I agree. Um, who couldn't move. But I also probably would have brought Cameron on at that point. I thought uh, at, at 65 minutes, our front three were, try, were a little bit sort of starting to hit the 
breaks and hit the, the wall a little bit. So it was one of those things where I would have brought Cameron on. I, pro- I probably would have brought him on for uh, Cabano, like you yeah. say, his head of Aite. But I'm not sure the double sub was the wrong idea. I just think it was potentially the wrong people that came off. Mm. It's also kind of with like Kamara coming on, he's the elephant in the room. He's got to make his debut eventually. And it's also the thing I always think with strikers, so good to get an early goal in their career because sometimes it can become a real monkey on their back. So we'll be hoping in the next few games, maybe it'd be good for him to get a little run out against... Shut up. <laughs> Wickham, just so he can bang in a few goals. Yeah, no, definitely. I hope, I hope to see him tomorrow. I really do. Although I do think Corley will probably start. Scorley? No, four four two, mate, both up top. Oh God! When was the last time we played a four four two? Anyone? <laughs> Hodgson, Kit Simons, is that you? <laughs> oh, um, God. No, I really like the fact that when Kamara come on, he scored his utmost, or he tried his utmost to try and score a goal, um, just straight off the bat. And I thought he looked really, really, you know, really quite threatening, uh, very strong, very pacey. And once he gets to know the system, I think he'll be a, a, a valuable asset to us. I absolutely love that gift that we posted yesterday of him schooling Marcel Franca. Not once, but twice. He did. There, there are a lot of good points in it, though, that he did actually create that make the chance far too difficult for himself by cutting back again. Oh, it was, totally, and it was totally unnecessary. It was 100% the wrong option, but, you know, I, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it at the time. He's a man after our own heart, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. AK-47. He's from the school of school of hard knocks, and he's, he's there to give hard knocks to Marcel Franca, left, right, and so The amount of people I saw in the Hammersmith end, every time after he did something good, he go... Was great just Dave Preston. Oh yeah, Dave Preston was loving it. Also, he's got a very good machine gun impression. I can't do. I just went. He is from South Africa. Africa. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) he's heard a few. Well, obviously, uh, late goal from Nelson Oliveira. Uh, Some people were saying it's offside. Uh, We were just chatting before the pod. We seemed fairly resounding that it wasn't offside. More dubious about the advantage played before it. Yeah, definitely. This is this is my bugbear. I mean, it's the offside is sort of a bit. It's not fifty fifty, but it's you know it's it's there. It's there to be questioned. I think if you're giving the striker the benefit of the doubt, you've got to be like, yeah, probably, probably on just. But in the build up, we 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 have the ball. We're running away. There's a foul, and the ref gives about two seconds of advantage, and then we lose the ball in like a non-threatening area in in the middle of you know midfield basically, and and then he just doesn't give the free kick, and I'm not a hundred percent sure. If anyone else has completely spotted this, but for me it was like I was apoplectic. I was like absolutely furious, and I couldn't believe that the advantage had lasted for such a short period of time. Well, he wasn't playing advances generally. There was a foul, a very clear foul on Fredericks that he didn't give just outside the box. You could admit, you could yeah, say that Kamara, went to a, yeah, it went yeah. to a threatening position, and then Kamara fell over. So I kind of, I could vaguely understand that one. But my point is, he wasn't playing much advantage all game. If, if, if you had another touch of the ball almost, it was basically like, right, that's the advantage over. Yeah, well, I mean, that's wrong. That's not how advantage works. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he was, he wasn't biased. He didn't, it wasn't like he gave us non-advantages and he gave them advantages. It, it was just a bad decision. And it's not, that's not to say that Norwich didn't deserve the point or, you know, any of those things. It just was, it just really angered me that he wasn't, he wasn't giving these advantages and, I just think that this level is just very poor. What would you? What did you guys make of Oliveira's celebration? I loved it. Well, I, loved it. I did think it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. big fan. Because J- really Jay Comfrey on Twitter s- slated him, and I I, th- I thought the same thing. I thought 
I want passion from my players. And if a Fulham player did that and ran up to Slav that wasn't getting selected, I'd be... Is that Woodrow? What are you going to do him against Wigan when he scores? Oh. If, if anyone did that to Slav, I think Slav would kill them. Like, yeah. I genuinely think he'd probably just be like, nah, <laughs> never ever playing again. I don't care if you just scored. But well, I understand why Olivier is annoyed because he's definitely better than Cameron Jerome. 100%. He's <laughs> just unbelievable. Although Sammy said an interesting thing at the weekend. He said, it's interesting, you know, Cameron Jerome's obviously not you know, brilliant as a full stop but he is actually just a bit of an annoying handful yeah, and it's is. interesting the idea of like him tiring out your centre-backs for 60 minutes by just sort of leaping on them and sort of like <laughs> basically manhandling them and, and, and not really getting anywhere but by 60 minutes they must be like oh my god I'm actually so tired Yeah. and then Oliviera comes on with all that pace and skill and, and suddenly you're like oh god now I have to face a completely different striker and I'm already out of the blocks knackered yeah I mean the, the um Little fight between him and him and um, Reem was actually quite one to to behold. It was really really entertaining to watch him versus Reem and him versus Callas as well. And for the most part, especially in the air, he got the better of both of them. And that's not often you get the better of Thomas Callas. And like you say, he just wore them down. And when uh, Oliveira came on, I think they were visibly quite tired. And I thought also um, Callas in particular maybe looked a little bit nervous, especially um, when Oliveira was running at him, and then obviously. Uh, done him a little bit for the goal. Just want to take a few seconds of your time to let you know that this season Fulhamish have teamed up with the guys at Labrooks and we're going to be bringing you loads of specials. Our first one for you guys is bet £5 get £20. This means that if you deposit just five quid, Ladbrokes are going to add another 20 quid to your account. Now as a listener to Fulhamish you can get this by following the link at bet.fulhamish.co.uk We'll also be tweeting the link and adding it to our Facebook as well plus it's in the description of this podcast so just go to bet.fulhamish.co.uk Code.uk, and you can bet £5 and get 20 quid more to play with. Well, before we move on to previewing the League Cup game against Wickham and the League game against Reading on Saturday, uh, just a little thank you from us uh, for everyone we met uh, flowering outside the ground on Saturday. So if you weren't there or you didn't see us, uh, the Fulhamish boys were giving out some flyers on the Stevenage Road. Uh, mostly positive reactions. Uh, quite interesting for me that uh, Marcelo Jallo walked past as I was flying, which was quite unbelievable. He didn't take one. I think it's probably for the best. If he had heard Ben, what Ben has to say about him, I think he'd probably stop listening quite quickly. I'm surprised he hasn't been released yet. <laughs> the only thing that surprised me, he was walking towards the Hammersmith end. I thought most players went straight into the cottage, unless he was maybe just showing his family around, but well, or, or he was, was also, buying a replica shirt of Thomas Callas. Yeah, there was also, <laughs> there the was also like some sort of an event. There was some sort of sponsorship event going on in the um, Hammersmith end tower. Oh, that makes so sense. So that might have been it. Well, so they you sent that. Marcelo Jello? So they brought the big star. Well, no, I just thought they might have just put all the players in there that day. No, they just sent the worst player. Just... Yeah. They've got different tiers of sponsorship, don't they? So maybe like tier four only gets you Marcelo Jello. Marcelo tier. Jello hanging out like cucumber sandwiches at the back. <laughs> maybe he's there to model for whoever Senora? Senora? <laughs> Sandwich? Wasn't it someone there? That was a thing when Costa refused to play for Chelsea, wasn't it? They were like, he should, you know, they, he, they pay him. They should make him just work in the halftime bar. Like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what they're doing with Jallo. He's just working so. a shift at like Cottage Pies or whatever it's called. Just Probably giving a speech getting... like Sean Davis in the, uh, in the chairman's lounge. Players lounge, yeah. Um, but it was a lovely day. It was nice to meet so many of you and just really refreshing to hear so many of you say, no, I don't want a flyer because I already subscribe. That was just, it was just cool to meet everyone, wasn't it? Yeah, shouts out to everyone that came past. Shouts yeah, out to Leighton. Massive shout out to Leighton, my new favourite little fella. Okay, what what happened with Leighton? Leighton and his dad came over to me and uh, Leighton did the old hello listeners for me. 
Then uh, how old is Leighton? Probably about nine. See, look at the effect you're having on the youth of today. Yeah, I'm really sorry to his parents. Like, <laughs> he's going to walk well. around shouting, hello, listeners, for the rest of his life. Do you know, actually, apart from <laughs> Marcelo Jallo turning down my flyer, uh, do you know the most soul-destroying moment of the day? What? Someone came up to me like, oh, Fulhamish podcast, love the Fulhamish podcast. Uh, are you Jack? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the man that started this entire podcast, to host it every week, but no, you want to meet Jack, not Sammy, whatever. It's nice. It's nice to hear that, you know, the fans are out in force. I love you all. He's going to start his own podcast. I know it. He's going to do an AC Jimbo very soon. Fulham-esque coming at you, right? <laughs> coming at you soon. I'm going to keep Ben. I'm going to do my best to keep Ben Jarman. Yeah. Oh, I reckon Don Betts is straight on board with you, though. Yeah, Betts is with me. Um, <laughs> Shouts out to um, all the people that helped us as well, especially to David Lloyd and Matt Lloyd of Two Fifth, who took out some flyers and gave some out for us, um, and to Dan and Ian who came over. And had some very nice words for us, so thank yes. you all. And also to David and to your mate, John. John and, and my mate, Freddie, who's a Norwich fan, who came over, took about 100 flyer, flyers. Got rid of them all, didn't And got they? rid of them all. That's, a, you know, that's the attitude we're looking for. And Fulham fans are going up to him like, why are you trying to give away flyers for a Fulham podcast? He's like, just, just helping a mate. She's doing bits. Just waiting for a mate. Right, that's enough self-indulgence for now. Let's move on to the couple of games coming up this week. So first up will be Wickham tomorrow night. Uh, we faced them a few years ago. That was our first season back in the championship. Alexander Kakaniklic scored a rather good goal, from what I remember, actually. Uh, yeah, it was okay, but... Oh, like, I mean, I'm not saying... We're not talking, like, Dennis Burkamp against Newcastle here. I just remember it being reasonably impressive. Did we lose? No, 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 we won. It was, like, 3-1, 3-0, something like that. Brian Ruiz scored a really, really good free kick against him in pre-season once. Remember that? In that amazing orange kit that we had. I don't remember playing Wickham in a preseason, but I was terrible kit. <laughs> really was. It really I'll, I'll take your word for it. But uh, Slav has said about tomorrow night's game, I will rotate what I can rotate. I will try and use players that I didn't use today. I think that's a fairly strong indication that we're not going to be seeing many of the players that started on Saturday. Last season against Orient, uh, he changed nine or ten players pretty much. But it's going to be a great opportunity for us to see some of the youth players in action. Yeah, I'd like to see the likes of Matt O'Reilly playing because whenever I've seen him in pre-season, he's looked confident on the ball mm-hmm. and he fit into the system pretty well. You'd presume Teo Eden's going to be playing. Yeah, and did you see what he done? That Don't repeat that ever and again. He'll start on the left wing and end on the right one. Correct. <laughs> Correct. I, I just, no. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think the midfield three will be O'Reilly, uh, Dennis Adinaran and Ibrahim Assise. That's what I would suggest. Okay, that's interesting. Dennis has got a knee injury at the moment. Oh, right, then maybe he done in the middle as well then. Yeah. Potentially. I'm just more annoyed we had the two worst aways in the entire Football League in the same week. Yeah, it is an amount of awful trips, according to the Don Betts away day planner. They're both awful. They're not near the ground, like train station-wise. I think most awful when you know the sea of good away days that could have potentially happened in the first round of the League Cup. You could have had an AFC Wimbledon. You could have had Forest Green Rovers. Who else is excited oh, about King Cav coming back in at left back? Because that's what I'm most excited about. Oh, that's about. the main that's the main reason. I I'm hope excited. they give King Cav the armband. That's what I'm hoping for in this um cover. Yeah, and maybe if you show him the London Irish Whites flag. Yeah, he's gonna go mad for it. I can't he'll wait to come up and sign it. King Cav. Wear it. Yeah. <laughs> take a maybe picture he'll take with a it. run around the picture with it on if we win. <laughs> and he scores a hand and gets him out of the match. Style, yeah. So that'll be exciting. He won't score. He only scores against Norwich. Yeah, it's true. We should have brought him on at the weekend. 90th minute. I mean, it's. I, I actually think this is one of the first seasons where I am just totally 
ambivalent about the Cups. I just think this season is so about the league. And as much as I want the youth players to get some experience, and I never want us to lose, um, it is purely going to be a training exercise for the young players tomorrow and a bit of experience for them. As, as a result, as for looking at for a run in the Cup, I just don't see its importance this season. Am I alone? Always, always looking for that away day at Wembley, mate. I'd love to go to Wembley, but not in the uh, Carabao Cup. No, not. Oh, actually, the Carabao Cup. Would Cup's you turn it down, cap. though? Yeah. Yeah, I would turn it down. You'd turn it down? Of course. <laughs> to win the FA Cup. <laughs> oh, right, there we go. God. He'd rather get there in the Checker Trade Trophy. Exactly. Yeah, he wants the PL2 Big Cup. bits. Yeah. <laughs> Only um, doing big bits on Fulhamish. Well, it's going to be an interesting one, and I imagine we're going to take a decent allocation down to Wickham. God knows why, because it's in the middle of nowhere. But it is quite close for everyone to get to down the M40. It's not too far. I imagine lots of Fulham fans actually probably live in and around the Wickham area, although most of them probably support Watford or Reading. Yeah, I don't think that's actually where our majority of our fan base no, is I don't mean the majority. I don't mean the majority. I mean a few might live down there. There might be some. There um, are some in Germany, so the chance of them being some in Wickham are probably quite, <laughs> quite high. high. Uh, so let's move on to Reading. Uh, they lost 2-0 to QPR on the opening day. What looked like quite a surprising result when you look at the two final league positions last season. Of course, Reading finished as high as third, let's not forget. Uh, Noah Laurie for them on Saturday, who was sent off after a professional foul which gave away the Rangers' penalty. That's one something I wanted to ask you. I didn't think you could get a red card a pen- and a penalty given away, especially when it wasn't it wasn't really cynical. No, yeah. the uh, double... Double jeopardy. Double jeopardy rule red. has been, um, it's been has removed. That been remi- has that been rescinded? Yeah, it's no longer... I, I, I don't like that. I don't like that that's been removed. Mm. I really like I thought the double jeopardy rule was a very sensible rule. I don't mind, like, obviously, if, if Lori, like, you know, kicked someone in the face in the box and gave away a penalty, obviously he needs a red card for violent conduct. But yeah, that but was it's, it's only, professional foul. That was the only exception. But, but like, if Lori's last man, hypothetically, and he takes him out, then that's a sending off offence. Agreed. But, like, at the same time, like, you know, the majority of the time, you know, unless you're Fulham, you get a penalty, you score. So, like, that's <laughs> the whole point. Like... You know, or Reading, actually, if you're Reading. Maybe they revoked that rule because of us. Because of Fulham. Yeah, Yeah, well, okay, fair enough then. (laughs) Cheers, lads. (laughs) Thanks. Doing us a solid there, boys. Um, Yep, Stam said there was no playoff hangover, but obviously it will be in their minds. It will have been in Slav's mind, I imagine, before the season started. But it'll be very interesting to match up the two semi-finalists and see who comes out on top. I think from our perspective, getting a win there would be a massive morale boost for the team after just so soon after we suffered such a painful defeat and you've heard from them all summer all the players I think Tom Kearney most of all of how hard that night was for a lot of them so if they can go there put some demons to bed it could be really important for Jen and the team together Um, I think exercising those demons would just be amazing for the team get rid of the hangover kick on to the next part uh, of the season and then just take the rest of the, the 44 games by storm. And I think, yeah, then really good way promoted, to start. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're, we're not even just a playoff hangover. We don't really have a great record at the Majewski anyway. No, right. I mean, have we won this since the Great Escape season? Wow, what a question. I um, don't think so. We definitely haven't won there since coming down. Yeah, saw it, a wonderful 3 all there once. Oh, yeah, yeah and, and that was really the only... Se- it for about 30 yards yeah. out. And that was just one season for them back in the Premier League, wasn't it? Because they came straight up and down. So, no, you will be exactly right. We haven't won there since, since Neverland banged in that late goal. And McBride scored an excellent one as well, didn't he? Yeah, there will be, you know, considerably less Reading fans... Uh, than there were at the playoff game, not only just because it's not important, but also the Premier League have games that season, so they will be probably following their first teams. 
Um, but, you know, aside from that, then uh, there'll probably be about... Let's see how many bite on that one. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Um, I don't know how many loyalty points is required to go to um, Saturday's match. Yeah. Don Betts, have you got enough? I've only got 900 plus, so probably not. No, yeah. you can't go, mate. I think it's 1,000 plus you need for it. You have to get under 200 to have to suffer the horrors of going through Reading. <laughs> <laughs> Alori, though, will be quite a big miss for them. Yeah, you'd assume so. Um, he is a good player and, you know, quite crucial to their system in the fact that, you know, when those three at the back are, you know, left stranded, he's the one with like a bit of pace to, to be able to sort of track down players. So we're going to be playing against a slower back three, which is obviously always good for our quick men up top. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think that we can win there. I think that, you know, QPR actually were surprisingly good. I don't know if anyone's mm. seen, I watched the extended highlights earlier, and because someone had tweeted saying QPR are playing like Brazil. Um, so I looked at it, and you know, like I wouldn't quite go that far, but they were they looked, you know, reasonably decent, which was not what I was expecting from a Holloway. Full value for the win, I think, is the fair assumption. Oh, 100%, yeah. Uh, they, Reading, Reading hit the post. No, 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 QPR hit the QPR post. QPR hit the post. Um, it was just, they just completely outclassed them. And, you know, if you're getting outclassed by, you know, Holloway's QPR, then the chances are that hopefully we'll be able to beat you. I know I've cursed it now, but, you know, I think we should go there and, and be looking for three points. We should have no fear going to play that lot. And if we, you know, play to our potential in the way that we didn't in the playoffs, we will beat them. Well, let's have a look elsewhere in the at the championship opening day. Uh, good wins for Bristol City in there. It was another good win for Leeds yesterday, although I really was hoping they were going to bottle that 3-1 lead. I just still think it finally scored the first goal in the seventh minute. Yeah, I enjoyed that. <laughs> also, Bolton, Bolton looked quite decent. Bolton are going to be a real handful for us because they score all their goals from set pieces mm. and we're rubbish at defending set pieces. And we just don't win at Bolton. Yeah, I mean, uh, on top of that. And Bolton, I, don't, I hate Bolton, so it's another awful away. So, there At least it means you get to go via Manchester, but apart from that, awful. Um, the main result of the day, though, I think, apart from Brentford losing, uh, was Wolves beating Middlesbrough. I was saying, I can't believe that Sky didn't pick Wolves-Middlesbrough as the uh, television pick. Not that it was a classic, but certainly I think it was the most interesting battle from the neutral perspective of the day. And a big win for them and maybe some of the fears that we spoke about in the championship preview on Thursday, uh, which is available to watch by now, by the way, on YouTube. It only took us four days to get, learn how to export the video. But we said that Wolves might be a danger, and that's a big result to start their season. Well, it was a game that was just decided by a terrible, terrible mistake, wasn't it, from, um, I think it was Daniel Ayala, just literally goes to pass it across his, his back four and goes straight to the opposition player, and there you go. It's a ping, though. It's a good, it's a good strike. It's a great strike. Yeah, you're, you're totally correct. But Wolves do look very, very dangerous, and they've got a nicely assembled, well balanced squad with some very exciting players playing up front for them. And it'd be, I think, it'd be laughable to write them off as some sort of at least playoff challenger, if not um, up there for automatic promotion. I mean, they've got a very good coach as well who has taken Rio Ave to their highest ever finish in Portugal. He coached Porto to uh, the league. Jack might. Uh, Jack might correct me here but no, I think, I think right. he coached them to the league yeah, correct. and it's a really good pick up for them you know, he's a great coach um, but going back as well to to the segment before where you talk about Bristol City winning 3-0 they've had a they've had a pretty good summer as well they've just signed a very very good striker also from League 1 or League 2 uh, he cost them around about 6 million uh, same as um, Kamara did to, for us and he's got as equally as good as uh, a record in that league um, probably built out the same mould and I think he'll go on to do bits as well and I think AK47 will eventually too. Well it's where they picked up Jonathan Codger from. He, yeah. he did really well in League 2 
uh, the season before they bought him. And yeah. but the thing is, Bristol City they started really well last season. Yeah. Mm. And then after they beat us in the league, they was... just dropped off really. Because like at the beginning of the season, after the first month, you could argue they looked like playoff contenders, like surprise playoff contenders. I'd argue they're the best team we saw at the cottage aside from Tottenham last week, last year. Yeah, yeah. I think I out of championship teams, it was them and Wolves who I assume were the best teams. But against Wolves, we it was sort of more surprising because we were playing well. Whereas yeah. Bristol City was in that month where we just couldn't play. We couldn't win. We couldn't steal a win to save our lives. Mm. But yeah, no, it was a good win and a huge win for Sheffield United, which I was yeah. real, you know, real pleased about. Not just because, not just because it was Brentford on the losing end of it, but actually really happy to see Sheffield United back in this division mm. and and doing things. I really like Billy Sharp. Yeah, I think he's a good player. He's a good player and he's he's also like a very kind man. Mm. He runs a lot of foundations and charity stuff. So good to see him on the score sheet. Good to see where, uh, Sheffield United off the mark and good to see Brentford lose. I also thought Ipswich won Birmingham Nil was the most championship result mm. I've ever seen with a Joe Garner Joe goal. Joe Garner goal, yeah. I was like, please just be more championship. Joe <laughs> Garner, also Ipswich have just signed the Mike Rangers. Michael. They've just signed all the Rangers players, um, yeah. which is a very odd strategy considering how poor Rangers were last year. And the fact that uh, Waghorn only scored something like four last year. Yeah. But the year before, he'd done, he done amazingly, but that's... That was, like, in, that was in Scott. Yeah, Scottish Div 1. Yeah. Right, well, let's move on to the post bag. Uh, we've got a bit of time for questions here, Jax. So uh, where do you want to start today? Um, I'm going to start on Twitter and we'll move to the email questions afterwards. So email. The first Twitter response we got today, oh, apart from George saying how many will King Cav score against Wickham, which we've already discussed. Um, was Probably from a Alfie, hat-trick. Yeah, it was from Alfie who says, how do you feel Oliver Norwood played in his debut? I'll go for it. Yeah, yeah go, for it. go for it. Cool. Personally, from my point of view, I thought Oliver Norwood sat in uh, into K-Max role very, very well. He looked um, very comfortable in that in that role. Um, he had some great distribution, some fantastic link-up play, uh, tidied the ball up when he needed to. Um, I think the only thing lacking was a few big tackles that K-Max normally puts in. As my last point, he's a man after all of our hearts because instead of using his weak foot, he'll use the outside of his strong foot and that is something we all love to see here. I mean, There's nothing we and love outside more. of the football. Like, who is he, Modric? Like, amazing. I want to change the question slightly on this one. Let's say, uh, hypothetically, Oliver Norwood carried on some really strong performances. There's actually a question about this. Okay, who's it from? Is it, is it saying basically if he carried on his form for the next three or four games, would he keep K-Mac outside? It wasn't K-Mac. Um, Will Will Trelides, uh, asked us if we would have Norwood ahead of Steph Joe in our strongest eleven. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll I'll potentially say that I don't think that either of them should be kept out of the team by Oliver Norwood. Really, I think that K Mac is too important to the system we played, uh, and and I think the same with Steph Jar. I'm willing to be proven wrong with him, but I just think you shouldn't change a winning formula, and and it was such a strong winning formula. I think we've got ourselves a fantastic backup, but I think that. Slav has to and Slav will be ruthless in making that decision in what's best for his team, not just picking on pure short-term form over, over a few games. Obviously, if either of them tailspin, though, into bad form, then we've got this brilliant understudy who, who will be more than capable. And it's not beyond the realms of possibility that one of them won't have anywhere near the season that they did last season. And brilliant, we've got someone who seems to be this perfect central midfield understudy but no I think that both their places are safe as long as they keep up the form that we know for them to have yeah unless Steph Joe sort of 
happened to him what happened to him at Celtic in his second year where he sort of just disappeared for mm, them he did fall off he was playing as a 10 though which is a bit weird yeah I mean well, Oliver Norwood I think was actually, I, th- I think he was the best out of three on, on the weekend completely agree and like if you were going to drop anyone from just looking at Saturday's performance alone in the midfield three you'd say it'd be TC anyway yeah. I mean I know neither of them can play number 10 role but out of all the midf- midfield three I thought uh, Nord was the best and I think he's never going to be replaced Kevin McDonald because I, I think Kevin McDonald is still our most important player yeah. Um, I think if he played against Norwich, he actually wouldn't have lost the game. Because there, there was points where you just needed him to be that big physical presence in yeah. front of the back four. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I completely agree. I think that the the thing is, Steph. I didn't think Steph had a particularly good game mm. on Saturday, and yet I still thought he was probably one in our top three players. You know, behind Norwood and Button. If I if I'm honest, um, I thought that he did. Absolutely, he put in the shift. Yeah, he looked knackered at the end, but like he, even when he wasn't playing particularly well with his passing game, he was still all over the place. He was still tracking. He was still making tackles. And I think that you can't kind of, I don't think you can. People even notice that Steph had a good game um, because he didn't do any of his normal, you know, spectacular outside of the foot passes, aside from the one for camera. Um, I was going to say he pops up with a moment of quality just like that, even in a bad game. Yeah, hundred percent. I think he's probably, you know, and I. I'd argue this forever, just the most underrated player in the side. You know, I know a lot of people, you know, say that's K Mac, but for me, that Steph's role is so important in terms of how much ground he covers that even when he doesn't have good games, he has good games. Yeah. Um, because of it's all the effective. just underwork, yeah, understudy work he does and just the amount he runs just to create space for his teammates and things, which I think is so crucial. And yeah, I'd agree. K Mac as well, an absolutely crucial point in the side, but that pivot that they have together is absolutely what makes Fulham tick. And, you know, you can have your flair players, you can have Kearney, who'll score last-minute winners and, you know, the tricks of Aita and Cabano, but it's those two in the middle that make everything tick. I think, I completely agree with you. He, uh, Steph Joe didn't have his best game by any stretch of the imagination. I think he wasn't great on the balls, particularly in the first half. I think he sort of grew into it a little bit more towards towards um, start of the second slash tail end of the first half. Where I think Norwood could potentially slip in a little bit easier is if he was to replace TC uh, later on in games to maybe you know let TC have a little bit of rest um, to shore it up a little bit. And I don't think they're hugely dissimilar in the way that they both see the game. They're both very capable of linking up play. They're both very capable of um, you know picking out other people. The only way I think Tom is a bit different is that he's got that X factor in the fact that he can absolutely smash them in from anywhere and he has that little bit of skill in very tight areas where I think Norwood potentially could be lacking. But... I don't. I don't see the issue with having a pivot or a midfield three of K Mac and Pivot, um, Steph Joe box to box, and then uh, Norwood creating for the last ten fifteen minutes of a game to close it out. Yeah, really like it. I think we'll we'll leave that one there though. So thank you for those questions regarding Ollie Norwood. I'm going to go to Fulham George, who says, "What positions do you think we can strengthen further, and any particular players you'd love?" You know, right now, I know we haven't really discussed transfers this week, but there's been more on the radar. So I'm going to go through this one. Well, today we've been linked with um, a striker from the area Eredivisie called uh, Weghorst, who currently plays for AZ Alkmaar. He's absolutely massive. Um, he stands at currently like 197 centimetres, I think is his listing on the official AZ Alkmaar website. Yeah, he's um, basketball. Scored, I think it's like 10 or 15 goals last yeah, season. Yeah, I think it was 17 in all competitions. Yeah, 17 all comps. He's a good target man. He works hard for the team. Um, I think he would be not too dissimilar from Matt Smith if we're going to compare him to anyone probably with a little bit more quality from a personal point of view I think we still need to improve on another centre-back as we've let Ragnar go we need a left-back um, to, to cover or or let Session Young roam a little bit freer 
Um, and we probably need another striker as well. Um, I really like Doherty from Wolves, and I think we've said that for a while now. I think he's a great player. Um, especially he, started, he, started at, he started at the weekend, though, so I, I don't know. think we're going to be seeing Doherty and Phil Mshire anytime yeah, soon, which unfortunately. Is a, which is a real shame. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's what the uh, areas we need to strengthen. Yeah, going back to the striker we're linked with from AZ Alkmaar, um, I know it's just looking at more obviously YouTube highlights or whatever, but his goals from last season, it wasn't quite a Matt Smith header, header, header. He looks mm. like a lot of his goals are with his feet, so he has some form of technical ability, which Matt Smith clearly doesn't have. Hey, do you not remember his goal against Wigan? That was the luckiest goal I've ever seen. It was the slowest 30-yarder I've seen. It just sort of <laughs> took forever to go into the into the top corner. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think a left-back, a goalkeeper, possibly another centre-back just for cover, and you could argue a striker. But I think left-back and goalkeeper, for me, are the two most important positions because we've got, at the moment, basically two 6 out of 10 goalkeepers. Yeah. And I, I think agree. we need at least an 8. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't disagree. I'm, you know, I'm not... As fast about goalkeeper because I think that I'd like while I'd like a keeper, you know, to to be able to play the ball out of their feet, they're just so hard to find at this level. Keepers who are good at, at both the air, you know, and also able to play out from the back. And I don't think we're going to gain too much for not as much, you know, for the amount of money that we're looking to spend. Basically, and I don't think that that's necessarily, you know, even a bad thing. I think we just have to deal with the fact that we have two six out of ten goalkeepers and, and shore up the back four. Yeah, if you, re- were, if you were to sign a keeper that would substantially improve us, I think you'd have to be spending in the realm of five to ten million to prize away someone like a Smithies from, Q- from Q- QPR who made a fantastic save. I don't know if you saw that. As usual. Just an un- unreal save. Yeah, um, but you know, David Barton got man of the match at the weekend. So you know, at the same time as he, he, yeah, he's he's prone to an error. But you know, if he's he could get if we could get his confidence back and you know build it up, then you know who's to say that he couldn't have a season like he did for Brentford when they got to. Yeah, know, one thing I'd argue with David Barton is that he's he's a really really good shot stopper. Yeah, yeah, and like that's sort of what you need from your goalkeeper starting off with, as we saw with Claudio Bravo for Man City last season. He was great in this style of play, but. I think for a Premier League goalkeeper, he was one of the he can see like the most goals to shots he faced. So I think Dave Button as a shot stop is great. I mean, I just would like an eight out of ten goalkeeper. Yeah. But if that means spending five or ten mil on like a Westwood or a Smithies or whoever, like even like Hennessy from Palace or something like that, I mean, I'd rather improve left back because at the moment we've kind of got Dennis Adoy covering both fullback positions as our cover. Yeah. And again, a centre back again because now we've only got Medal and Charles doesn't count. Just put him out the window. Um, just we, like he, he doesn't count so yeah someone else and Maddle because Maddle I don't know how long it's till he comes back from injury we've been Maddle linked with Joe Bryan from Bristol City for a little while now um, that's a signing I'd really like to see come in I really like him he's got a great left peg and you know really energetic likes bombing up and down the wing not quite as you know many assists or goals as as even you know as but, a, I mean yeah as, uh, he's a very good assess. attacking fullback uh, but he's also a very sound defensive yeah. fullback so I think that that's, that would be kind of right now my ideal sign because in, in Bristol City's double season I guess you can call it he was phenomenal yeah absolutely brilliant he was a he, he's a really good player and he's still very young and, and has a lot to go and I think he'd really thrive in our system so that's the player I think I'd go with if we were if we were going to close Probably time for a couple more, Jack. Yeah, um, I'm going to dig into the old email inbox now and there's two questions here from Luke Jennings, a.k.a. Luca Lely, who oh. says, um, his first one is, what do you make of the Sessignon doubters slash slaters? Personally, feels a bit harsh. There's a lot to learn, but had didn't play as bad as some people suggesting. Yes, he was but one of our worst players on Saturday, but there's plenty to learn. Anyone? I mean, it's it's... The only thing is, I know it's 
bad to criticise Ryan Sessegnon because he's young, he's only 17 and stuff. But at the end of the day, if he's playing first-team football for Fulham and he's putting on the number three shirt, he's got to be able to be subject to the same amount of criticism as the rest of the team. Yes, he's young, and I don't think we should be um, throwing bottles at him anytime soon, but I think that it wasn't good enough, and if he wants to make it and he wants to be starting for us every week, then he he does have to improve his performances, sadly. I hope that Slav does it in a way that doesn't smash his confidence to bits, as I still think he's at that age where Slav could say something that could wreck him. I know that Slav won't do it. I've got full confidence in him in that, but I don't think we can excuse bad performances from Ryan Sessegnon and just go, oh, well, he's young, he's learning, he's improving. He will have bad games, and I accept that's a fact of life. And actually, every player on the team is going to have a bad game at some point this season. You know, even your man Steph Joe didn't have his best game. Yeah, you know, and and, and he was pretty much unbound from criticism last season. So, I think that he's got. We've got to be able to call him out on bad performances. But I don't think that we should. Maybe we should try and not reflect them so much in a game so that it, it affects him. But I just know that won't happen anyway. There's no no one's going to be booing Ryan Sessegnon anytime soon. And I think there's still plenty of cause for optimism with young Ryan. Let's say on t- in tomorrow night's game that we play, I don't know, over a Doyle Cav at left back, and Seth just plays maybe half a game further forward. Yeah. Just so if he, because if he plays well in a further forward position, that's just going to further boost his confidence. And whether that means he now is in the rotation between Luca, Ito, Cabano, Piers on, you don't know. But I mean, yeah, I, I think it was it was a bit harsh. I mean, it wasn't awful. I think in the second half he was a lot better. I think first half it, maybe it just it was just nerves because he's mm. obviously been given a number three shirt, which. It's quite a big deal with your obviously if you're left back and it's yeah, a big it, day for him. It's his uh, yeah, first it, day under the professional contract. He was against uh, Wilshire, who's who I argued, who I think is Norwich's best player at the moment. Hundred percent, and one and also as we said earlier, one of the best wingers in the league. At, you know, at this level, especially with you know the likes of Knockart now no longer in this division. You know, there aren't going to be too many wingers outside of the Fulham side, perhaps that are you know more effective than Yannick Wildshot. So you know, it's what it's one of those. I think that. There are aspects of Sess's game that are absolutely top draw. And I think there are some that are absolutely blindingly obvious that he needs to work on and that he will be targeted by other teams. And I think Norwich are that team of good enough quality where they can single him out, really attack him. And that's what they've done this weekend. And at times, especially uh, first and beginning of second half, it really, really showed. Um, I think Will Chuck really gave him a lot of, a lot of issues. Um, he's a ma- He's a... A very big and muscular guy, well, uh, Wildshot, and he was always going to get the better of Sess on a physical 1v1 battle. Don't think he was helped particularly by Cabano, but there are that. so many good aspects about Sess, and I don't think we should get on to, on to him uh, too much, but I do agree. Uh, as Sammy said, if you wear the number three shirt and you are playing first team football, then you should be uh, open to criticism, uh, constructive or not, from uh, fans regardless. What else did our man Luke Laley have to say? He says, do you think Matt O'Reilly will play against Wickham and possibly Steven Sessegnon? Excited to see them both. I don't think Steven Sessegnon will play because I don't believe he was given a kit number in the official kit number announcement. No, I don't think so either. He also, um, he hasn't been playing for the under-23s. He's been taken back to the 18s and he, in fairness, he's been given the armband. So maybe it's a thing of, you know, giving him some you know, time to, to learn them leadership qualities and stuff, but... I noticed that he'd been taken out of the 23 squad and sent back with the 18. So I'm not yeah. sure if that's a just maybe it's just for fitness or, or there was just too many people in the position or whatever. But it was an interesting. But concept I do nonetheless. fully expect Matt Riley to be playing tomorrow night. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe it's not starting, but I do expect him to have some 
part to play because the amount of times he was involved in pre-season, like some of the young players like George Williams, like Steven Session, were only used in the Poland tour and then weren't brought to Austria and Germany or in, even in the squad for the Wolfsburg friendly. So, and, and Matt O'Reilly was in every single match they squad and all those friendly. So I would argue that he will definitely be playing a part of some sort tomorrow night. Yeah, I think we'll see, I think we'll see O'Reilly. I think we'll see Thorn Steinson tomorrow. Um, I'm not, not potentially starting, but I think we'll see him at some point. Uh, I think we'll see Edan. Um, and there's a few more, yeah, but I, I completely agree with you. I very much expect to see Matt O'Reilly in the match day squad. Do we maybe expect to see Piazon playing yep. tomorrow? Yep, and Corley. And there's a few more that, that probably will, will get run out. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jallo and Jallo and Madel at centre-back. Can we expect... Yeah, I mean, that'll be the end of that. Can we expect to see Corley smack in another goal of the season, as he did last season against Leighton Orient in the first round of the Cup? Yeah, well, maybe. TC's very upset about that. Yeah, I, it, the video of the two of them receiving their awards was very amusing. Um, and one of the kids was like, Tom, are you upset that you didn't get caught of the season? <laughs> and then Kenny's just there like, well, you know, they've got to remember, they've got to remember Corley for something. <laughs> so brutal. I was like, oh, God. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't know if we can expect the same, but I wouldn't actually be surprised to see Corley go on the score sheet in that kind of game. That is the kind of game that he could probably... Yeah, because he's his level. Yeah, too. Bag of brace. Right, bag well, brace. Secretary Jack, we've come to the end of this week's podcast, so can we have a title, please? Uh, well, yeah, it is very much uh, a fark based pun pun off here in the studio. So it is. We did up. promise it as soon as oh. uh, Daniel Fark was appointed manager that uh, there would have to be a fark based pun. Ben Jarman has just come up with a winner on the spot, which is a, a good one. Not a walk in the fark. Unbelievable. <laughs> I love it. As if you just loads. thought of that. You've been thinking of that all day. Yeah. Fark. I'm a creative guy, mate. I've not been I'm funny. An did anyone else hear the Norwich fans singing Fark Life? No. I really enjoyed that. Really, really enjoyed that. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear it, but I saw a video of them on the Fark Life, which was amazing. Well, thank you so much for listening today. I, I assume there will be lots of you for whom this is your first Fulhamish podcast um, as we gave out flyers to people that had never heard of us genuinely on Monday. How is that even possible? Who knows? But um, if, you, if this is your first time listening today, uh, we really hoped you enjoyed it. If you want to listen to more Fulhamish podcasts, all you need to do is go to your podcast store of choice. That's probably iTunes but it might be Overcast or Acast I particularly recommend the Acast app it's great Uh, hit subscribe and then they just download into your phone straight away every week perfect for any commute uh, that you might have to do Uh, and your commutes are probably taking a little bit longer if you use something like Southwest Trains at the moment so please keep subscribing and also subscribe to our newsletter the first one is going out on Tuesday morning uh, and our man David Preston uh, the other creative genius here at Fulhamish Podcast uh, is putting that together so all you need to do is go to fulhamish.co.uk the newsletter subscribe button is on every single page type in your email address and you'll get the email newsletter every single week with everything that's going down at Fulhamish HQ. So I think that's all that remains to be said is thank you for listening today. It was great to meet some of you on Saturdays. Jack Collins, thank you very much. Thank you, Sammy. Dominic Betts, thank you very much. It's all right. And Ben Jarman, thank you very much. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Toodles. Fulhamish Podcast is backed for the season by Ladbrokes.